chat with mom as with any of our podcasts i want to warn you there could be bad words there are triggers probably and there probably will be spoilers and today we have sc mendez with us with bloodbound books and he's an author of the city and all kinds of stuff and we're just going to chit chat with him today so Welcome, SC. Thank you so much for having me, Christina. I'm very excited to be here. Um, for your start, this is a brand new kind of one-on-one -on -one thing, right, that you're doing? It is. Okay. You're my guinea pig. Whew, I'm excited. <laughs> I love it. I, I like that. Experiment on me. Right. <gasps> so the one thing that I really want to start with is what the books. I don't think a lot of people know the amazing things that are you are doing and so tell us how it started the mission all kinds of stuff. yeah um so gosh i guess looking back it all started um in 2009 it was thanksgiving i remember the thanksgiving and we launched with three anthology calls all at the same time and they were for something called night terrors unspeakable and then a series that is still going strong that i think everyone thinks of bloodbound books of is the doa series that extreme horror stuff um, but that's kind of how it started, and I think it started for lots of reasons at the time. But what it's progressed to, I'm really excited that you brought it up because it's something so much more than I think we anticipated in the beginning. Um, and so our mission is spreading hope through dark fiction, and that is super important to us. I think that in the beginning part, you know, when you're younger and you start reading a lot of this extreme horror, the idea is to shock and to do the next big, big thing and are having a lot of fun and trying to create this, I guess, like a stamp on the indie horror world. And we really wanted to be known and, and to make great projects and have people want to work with us. But now you get to a point where it's like, hmm, I've done all this stuff. Is there a more bizarre way to kill someone? I don't know. Is there more <laughs> books to do? There's always another book and always another project. But at some point, we wanted to start giving back. And I, I don't want to speak for Joe, who's my business partner in this. But I think he feels the same way, is that after you kind of unleash all this evil kind of stuff onto the world, um, and you've been really excited about it, there has to be a purpose. And so I don't know about you, but when we read extreme horror, we always say we want blood, guts, and story. We want there to be a purpose. Yeah. And so I think we found that through our books, our purpose is now spreading hope with them. So a lot of the proceeds, as you've seen as you're going on the website, we use to give back. Um, we have a program called Books for Classrooms. It's not very creative at all, but four times a year, teachers can apply. And we don't have a ton of money, but what we make, we take, and we buy them a classroom set. Uh, we usually can get about 30 books of whatever book they would like. It has nothing to do with Bloodbound Books. I think a lot of people are in the misconception they're ordering DOA for their classroom. Couldn't be farther from the truth, right? Uh, the last one we had, she was in California, and she ordered, uh, oh, it was a Clive Barker, The Thief of Always, I believe. 
Um, yeah, and so that was the last one we did. Before that, we were able to get actually coloring books for an art teacher. They were spooky coloring books from Sean Kama, so she was using it in her classroom for that. And every quarter, we just pick somebody new, um, and we donate to the classroom uh, set of books because I was a classroom teacher, and I know what it's like to try to get kids interested in fiction. And while the classics are good, I think a lot of times they want something else, and they want to be excited and shocked, not necessarily by our books, but by something. And there's a lot of good stuff out there, so we give back that way. Um, the two other ones, I guess, that I'll mention, we have a Books for Blood program, too. Again, not the most creative of titles, but uh, when I was younger, <laughs> I, uh, I had a blood transfusion, and so that's one of the few reasons that I'm here. And so kind of inspiring people to donate blood has always been part of the mission, and if we could get people to drum up like social media, you know, and have things go viral, we say if you take a picture, send it in to us, we'll post it around and share it, and in return for that, we'll give you a free book. And it's a digital book, you know, I can't send out physical copies, but we always right. just email them the book. Uh, that's the big one. And then the last one was my own novel, The City. Um, all the proceeds for that, I end up donating to uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So those are kind of the programs that Bloodbound Books has started and what it's become from its very humble beginnings in 2009. That is, and that's so exciting. And I think, you know, and I can't speak for any other publishers, obviously, but giving back, especially to this community, because this community, you know, I, I tell people I read extreme gore and horror and people are like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you should be around my child because it right. has that connotation. So I think it's really interesting that the philanthropy is so big. And so we'll kind of go back through because I really want to kind of hammer home these great resources with um, the classroom for books for classrooms. That's that sounds good enough to me. We should really make a real name for this thing. But I'm like, this is a great idea. Let's do this. And so who's our web designer? Me. I'm just like, hmm, books for classroom. That's it. And you would think an author would be a bit more creative and books for blood. But books for classroom yeah, is you perfect. Save all of that. You save all of that. But so how can, um, say a teacher is like, I'd really like to get into this. How, how would they go about doing that? Perfect. Um, so we just closed on December 31st, and we're going to go look through the applications. I try not to look at them ahead of time, but uh, we will open back up, and I know classrooms are probably getting back in the swing of things around January 10th or so. We'll have a new page up, and we'll have a new application. So all they have to do is go to um, Bloodbound Books, uh, and they can just apply. I think it's under the home page on the About we have our programs. They can apply right there, and really all they need to do is tell us the school they're at, Give us like a classroom photo. I do want to make sure this is a teacher that's in current good standings at their school. Um, I also would like to know what they want to do with the book. So it's easy to say, oh, you know, I just want this one book. But it is not easy picking just one teacher to get something. And so I really want to see what's the teacher going to do with that? How are they going to make their lesson plans? And since I did teach English for a while, I've taught on lots of different subjects. I can tell if I think someone's going to use our resources to the best ability possible. Um, right. And that's really all that they have to do. I have to say that the competition is not always fierce. A lot of times there's only three people that put in, and one person gets it, right? And I yeah. think it's just because people don't know about it. But maybe if more people hear about it and the programs get shared, if 
Bloodbound books can take in more money. We can start doing more than just one classroom a quarter. Exactly. It's kind of my thought. Exactly. That's what I would love. But yeah, so to answer your question, just give us your teacher profile picture. Tell us your school, your lesson plans, and what book you would like. And then at the end of this quarter, which I guess ends January, uh, the end of March, we're going to pick mm-hmm. another person. We'll sit down and we'll pick another person for that. See, that's so cool. That's so cool. Thank you. Because, you know, I my son is um, autistic and so I, I see like the special needs classrooms and I see just normal classrooms and like these teachers just they don't have a lot of resources and so anything even you know somebody getting a book you know let alone 30 books I mean these books like Clive Barker is probably like 10 bucks a pop yeah. <laughs> you know so it's not a cheap thing so I think that that's an absolute amazing resource. And I did share it when you posted it. I shared it. I, I saw like, that. Some of my teacher friends need to get in on this. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And it's always, again, age appropriate. So that could be as something as simple right. as goosebumps. Um, I can usually find somewhat decent deals on most things in bulk. So, it, oh. you know, it could be, like I said, any goosebumps, Twilight Zones. Uh, the Probably the most adult one we did was for high school and it was The Long Walk. Um, and you know, I said, Hey, just clear this, clear this with your principal that this is going to be okay. Because, uh, Oh, one last thing. The teacher has to be okay with us using their pictures. Um, like just get a couple kids to, to sign off like that we can share because I think again, getting the word out and seeing kids excited about seeing the book and how it's being used in the school helps it out. So if you say, yeah, I, I, I want these books, but I, I don't, I don't want to be on social media at all. It does kind of kill that ability to help out yeah. the next classroom. So I guess well, I should mention get that. somebody else excited. Like, yeah. you know, what if somebody wants to donate to this cause? Oh you know? gosh. If someone wants to donate, they can just email us, contact us at bloodbound books. Cause if you have access to a set, maybe you looked at a, worked at a library, you have these old library sets classrooms will take that because they'll take just about anything. If I can just be the middleman to help that out, I can organize that too. So anything that teachers want to do, reach out and maybe we can find something to make it happen. And what about financially? Like if somebody wants to financially help out? That would be perfect. Um, On our website, and I think I have a spot, um, I will make sure that I send it to you. Maybe you can put it in the show notes. I had a button that said, you know, is your bookshelf full? You don't need any new books, but you want to help out one of our cool programs. You can just donate to us. Basically, it's set up to a PayPal. Um, and I have to make sure that that link is still somewhere very accessible. Maybe I should put it near the Books for Classroom um, uh, page. That way, if someone just says, you know what? I can't really do much. I'm not a teacher, but you know, here's $5. And you can actually tell me what program you want to put it towards. If you want it to go to the hospital, great. We'll put it towards the hospital that we give to St. Jude's. But if you would like it to go to the classrooms, I'll put that in the coffer. And then that's just more money that we can use to buy books with. So thank you for asking about that. No, I'm... I like to give money. Yep, that's, yeah. It's my money. It's my husband's money. <laughs> we will take it. <laughs> you get money. Let it rain. I'm like Oprah with my husband's money. Now, with the, he's, hopefully he never watched I know, right? And he's like, huh, bloodbound <laughs> books, $200. Wait, wait a second. You pay the credit card bill too, Dick. Damn it. <laughs> so with the next one, the books for blood. Um, the one thing that I liked about it is that it's not just a once a year thing. You can do this up to four times a year. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and really, I just need um, someone to submit their picture to us. I mean, it's, everyone's taking selfies nowadays. So you can be on there, have your arm going, give us a quick picture. Um, and then you can do it all on the website. You can upload the picture. And I, I do want to go up there and put maybe some new books. And it was just an automatic pick which book you'd like. And, you know, some people are fervent fans. They have all of our stuff. So it's like, you know what, if you have the ones that I offered on this little Dropbox, just write us a message. Tell me what it is. Um, it takes me a little while to process everything sometimes because it's mostly just me going through it. But I will eventually get you the story, you know. Um, and and I, we can connect that way. So that's it. Just take a selfie. Upload it again on our page. We have a spot where you can just upload the picture. Um, and then, But do be aware that we'll do the same thing. We're going to say, hey, look at this awesome person. We don't have to share your name. But we're going to share the picture and say, hey, it's January. Blood banks are in need. Please, please, please donate and get a free book. So, yep, that's how it can also be done online. Except for me, who almost passes out every time. Yeah. Yeah, nope. (laughs) Can't do it. (laughs) If you can encourage a friend, though, and they take a selfie, you guys can share the the digital copy. Well, my husband (laughs) does it for his, like, ERPs and the military and stuff, so I'll be like... Take selfie. <laughs> I love. It. I'm gonna have to meet your husband because now he's supporting Blood for Books. He's also donating to the classrooms. This guy is great. <laughs> he is the best person. And I've never even met him. <laughs> he doesn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best kind of support. It really is. And then with the Saint Jude, mm-hmm. um, all all the proceeds go from the city, and I think that that's phenomenal. Now. Is it the proceeds also from Godless? And I'm just curious on that one. Uh, oh, you mean like, for, yeah, whatever royalties I get in. So whether the books, and that's a good question. So a Godless is another distributor. So whether you buy the city on Godless or you picked it up, you know, on Amazon or any of the different places, all the royalties that come to us once like uh, marketing is all paid off, right. those all get uh, sent over to St. Jude's. So it wouldn't matter which which route you went and purchased it. Know that, awesome. yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's always, we get more, I think, when it goes through a platform like Godless than as opposed to yes. if you buy it from a third party because everybody takes a cut before it comes back. Um, and it's much Amazon. shorter. <laughs> yeah. Amazon, basically, and all the different distributors. So, uh, of course, that they can also, if they wanted to go straight to the source, we get the most if I just sign it for you and ship it directly to you. And they could always uh, message me on Facebook or they could go to our Etsy store, um, and I process all the uh, orders from there. And then all that money goes to St. Jude's, and I'll mention it because it, it might be changing. Um, no matter what, obviously, ch- uh, children are important to us. I think it's clear from all of our stuff that we do. I was a teacher, so being important in a child's life is the utmost to me. Um, and I have a friend who actually is doing stuff with the Shriners Hospital, and I've been talking to him a lot. And this year, I'm thinking after some discussion with Joe, who's the other owner of Bloodbound Books, I think we might move, not that there's anything wrong with St. Jude's, but we might move over to a Shriners Hospital that's in our home state of Arizona because I have more of a connection with the people there. And I think we could make like trips to the hospital. Maybe I could actually see some of the kids that they interact with, and maybe there's just more opportunity for growth there than with St. Jude's that I don't have a connection as much. Right, and it's it's spreading spreading the wealth around. Yeah. So picking, you know, picking a different charity is just, you know, continuing on. Absolutely. So I think that, and, you know, I really wanted to hammer that home because I think that's so, I think that's so selfless, first off. I think that, you know, 
a lot and you know a lot of indie authors are like we don't do this for money yeah (laughs) you know know, i'm assuming i'm not an indie author i have no creativity (laughs) in me um not true everyone has a little we just have to pull it out of here uh, i can draw spongebob (laughs) nobody else's business that's about it (laughs) but yeah i think that you know getting that out and I think it's a great thing. I think that it's extremely selfless. Oh, thank you. Kudos to you. I I appreciate it. If for nothing else, if just people are buying the books to support that, even if they don't love extreme horror, we will always put up pictures and you will always see to what you are helping support. So yes, um, giving back. And for authors that are listening, uh, I have found that the more you help other people get to where you want to be, the more you are helped when that time comes. And charity is just this... It is eternal. Um, the more you give, the more you tend to get. And so I appreciate you helping me spread that word. So thank you. Um, no and let's do this. I'm a person. Like, let's... Yeah. Let's Oprah this. <laughs> it's definitely let's, true. Let others help Michael in the process of giving. He doesn't even know he does. Yep. Yeah. But... You know, carrying on with the website, and, you know, this website is phenomenal. There's so much on it. Like, I, you know, I'm not kidding when I have, like, four pages of just notes on this website. And it's, you know, especially right now, you know, during the pandemic, we're having, you know, a lot of people are having financial problems. And a lot of people are like, I can't afford to read. You know, maybe they don't have access to a library. I mean, libraries in rural, you know, America are sometimes hard to come by. Yeah. But you have free content. We I do. Found it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like um, Shoebox Challenge by Lucy Leitner. I so don't good. think people realize how good this is. It's a great story. I read it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Because um, I think I am'd you, and I was like, dude, this yeah. is great <laughs> oh yeah um so there's that there's um the gross out contest from killer mm-hmm. on there by jay wilborn which i will read that man's grocery list <laughs> I love him. isn't he so I funny <laughs> he's so sweet like he just seems like such a nice guy and then he like writes some of this stuff and they're just like yeah it's so funny because everybody's so sweet like everyone i've met it's just so sweet, and then you read their stuff, and you're just like, <laughs> "Is that something we need to talk about?" Like, do you need help? Lick twice. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also have giveaways. There's yeah. Two giveaways. Like, there's so much on this website. Um, like right now, Lucy Leitner is having one that yep. if you do a review for um, Outrage Level Ten. A six dollar, you're entered to win a six dollar gift card from Godless. Yeah. Just for like reading it and reviewing it. 
<laughs> well, th- she had this very weird. Um, that book was published twice in 2021. I don't know if you know the backstory a little bit on it. I so did, yeah. okay, and I'm sure most people do, but I, it felt bad. It's like we're getting this out there, and all the reviews got canned from when this book was supposedly taken off. So yeah, and the reviews are huge. Uh, but yeah, if anyone helps her out, it's all they have to do. Honest feedback too. The reviews don't even have to be. I mean, I assume it's. I, I think it's a good book. That's why I published it. But if if it's just an honest review, that's all we want. Just want to build that that review content. That's it. Yep. Just to get it back up because yeah. especially um, on Amazon, it's like you've got to have fifty reviews in order to be like in a specific. Um, Yeah, there's they always are changing this algorithm, so it's hard to stay on top of. But I mean, the more and more that you have the reviews on there, I think it lets Amazon know that hey, this is something that people are are being honest about, or you know. And I think even if they're if they're all five stars, that's probably a red flag, you know, fifty five star reviews. So they want to just see a wide variety of different opinions. And I think you're right; it does trigger something. You get brought up more. I think it recommends things more when there's more reviews um, and stuff like that. You pop up in more of these people also like. So if you leave an honest review on there, you're going to get suggestions probably of books that you're going to like. So the more you leave of that honest feedback, I think it just helps everybody again. So yeah, yeah but they can upload that on the page. Uh, so easy. And w- was it easy to find most of this stuff? Because like I said, I'm the, re- the website guy. <laughs> no, and it's, I can fix I think it. I went to about. Yeah. I think like everything just kind of started popping up. I click buttons. I'm a button pusher. Um, <laughs> but I mean, and then with you, yeah, um, they review any petite mort that um, Nikki Noir does, and they are entered to win a signed copy of your new upcoming book, The Order of Eternal Sleep. And I think that is that's so cool. Correct. Because Nikki's stuff is and I correct me if I'm wrong sure. here. I think it's like fifty cents on Godless right now. Yeah. It's like fifty cents, ninety nine cents, something like that. Is yeah, head down to godless.com, um, check out and any of them. It could be one that me and Nikki wrote together, it could be one that was was all her. It's kind of like this collaborative brand that we've started and working with Drew on and it's a lot of fun to do. And they are. Fifty, I think the highest one is like ninety nine cents, and the ninety nine cent ones are like they're still uh, like horrorgasm. They're they're still like novellas almost. They're almost like twenty thousand words. Yeah. So it, it's it's a really great, and I think because this was something new that we were trying out. I really want the feedback on it. I need it from fans. It's not so much of a, I just want to see if my work is good. I want to see if this is what readers actually want. This weird off-the-brand or off-the-wall brand of occult mixed with some satire and dark comedy and social commentary that me and her are both seeing right now, right? It's just like, I want to know if this is what people desire, but it's hard because I don't want to put it on Amazon. I think it's better for Godless, but Godless is still new. So I'm not sure if I'm not getting the reviews for that because it's so new and like Bloodbound Books, people might not know about Godless or that it's not what people are looking for. So yes, if you can give me that feedback, I am more than happy to enter them uh, to an assigned city, uh, a signed copy of The Order of Eternal Sleep. And I have read the three that you and Nikki have done together. And then I have read quite a few of Nikki's alone and they're so dark, but funny. <laughs> like, um, hashtag 
dead seal challenge. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm in Alaska, so we have and stuff here and I was like I'm not I'm not gonna eat that <laughs> and it's funny because the social commentary is something that's very big with extreme horror that mm-hmm. I have noticed because you know I'm an analyzing weirdo I have to analyze everything but and I I can promise you guys these are these are well worth it like the 50 cents, the 99 cents. <laughs> I've read Horgasm. I've read um, Cucumbers and Comforters. Yeah. <laughs> read yeah. that one. That was not what you would think. Different, <laughs> right? I I think I had yeah. some injection in that one. I was like, there's a character that I want you to play around with because we, we go back and forth all the time. I said, it's called a Kappa. I know there's a story here. I don't know what the hell to do with it. But it's about grabbing things out of people's asses. But I think we could make it sweet run with it. Tell me what you get, you know? And she came back with this idea. I'm like, this is brilliant. Let's, you should do this it. Is, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the sack cutter, that's one of the newer ones. Yeah. And then Santa's package. I have to say, I think, I think Santa's package is one of my faves. I'm really glad it's to hear just, that. It's out there. It's out there. And it's so perfect out there. Like, it's just, guys, seriously, go to Godless. Oh, that's it. great. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's well worth it. You're not going to be disappointed. That's and good. the price is perfect, so. <laughs> I, I was so curious about Santa's package because we've been really trying to mess with, um, or not mess with it, but experiment with dialogue. Do you ever watch, like, Quentin Tarantino movies, some of the, the older ones, like Reservoir Dogs? Yep. Um, I feel like the dialogue in that and Pulp Fiction is, like, amazing in the movie Clerks. And I think a lot of times we wanted to tell the story in like, it was almost like you were watching two people in Clerks, uh, like for um, hashtag Dead Seal. You know, it's like Dante and Randall bickering back and forth about ridiculous stuff for part of it. And then we also did it for Santa's package. And I was like, I don't really know what a psychiatrist would say to a person having this delusion. But we tested it out and just did a lot, a lot of dialogue. So I'm really glad to hear that it worked for you. Yeah, so definitely definitely pick that up and you can win free stuff so I guess, yeah <laughs> i feel like it's a win-win you know Go wrong. um and then um for the lovers of the drew Stepic, you know one of the reasons why marion and i found each other um you can get his entire audiobook knuckle supper for free to yeah. listen to on the website like Oh yeah. Just push button. Just push button. Plethora of awesome. And that's. I think. I think especially if you're not sure if you like audiobooks. I love audiobooks, mm-hmm. so I I can't talk about how many I have on my Audible account. <laughs> I can get in trouble for that, especially if he hears it. The husband's um, listening. Oh, buddy. Um. You know, if you're not sure, here's a free one. You know, give it a shot. And it's true. So, you know. I'll give you one more teaser that's coming for free stuff. Um, I don't want to, this will be our teaser for it. It may be January 17th, but I'm working with the narrator. I think he did Night Stalkers for Ryan Harding and Christopher Triana, the audiobook narrator, Spencer Dilhay. We are putting together a creepypasta-esque type channel and launching it with a lot of Bloodbound Books short stories. 
So even if you don't have all our anthologies, you're going to be able to start listening to that for free. We'll have it on the website. And then the hope is we start moving more and more into audio with free right. stuff that can help people. And then let, let the, the, the uh, what's it called, the advertisers help pay for it. Let listeners get it for free and an advertiser can jump in every once in a while so that we can still pay authors for their stories. And then you get free content. So that's where we're going. It's coming. I'm loving it. Teasing it. I am loving it. Loving it. And again, you know, super simple to find on the website. But speaking of Mm -hmm. the short stories, I like how I'm slowly like going through every single spot on your website. I love it. We get it, Christine. (laughs) Um, But, you know, going back to, you know, some people just don't have a lot of funds mm-hmm. your a lot of your anthologies are on kindle unlimited yes found it <laughs> yes. and i think that, that that's great like i found one um the doa uh-huh. series i mean can we talk about some of the people on the doa series like uh, um bentley little uh edward lee Jeff strand jack ketchum shane mckenzie james white christopher triana uh, yeah. <laughs> With Kindle Unlimited, like, those are huge names. In, you know, Extreme Horror especially. Yeah, um, I think we will always keep our anthologies as much as possible on Kindle Unlimited because I think that gives readers an awesome opportunity to mm-hmm. test out these new author maybe new to them right they've been around for a long time we've been around for a long time but it's new to them and then they're like okay now i'll take the chance on buying their book so i think anthologies are still so important to authors and so as the publisher i don't want to make those like limited to just our website so yeah i'm glad that you recognize that it's there for everyone so all of our anthologies go on there read them find great people read them for free basically on amazon uh and then come back and grab the books because there's a lot of times that Kindle Unlimited are like, you can get three months for 99 cents. Well, just wait for that and then go and find them. Yeah, there's exactly. One, there's two on this. Yep. And, I mean, that one's got Ronald Pelly, you, Nikki, Chad, and Christopher Triana again. Yeah. Like, again, these are, especially if you're kind of like dipping your toes in and I say dipping your toes in, <laughs> but I've read some stuff by you guys, and I'm not really sure. If you're ready to go in the deep end really fast, yes. maybe that's the way to put it. <laughs> you know, I say dip your toes in, and I don't think that's right. I, I think, um, yeah, if you, that people should know we've become this extreme horror publisher, but I, that was almost secondary. If we ever go back and, and talk about like the evolution of Bloodbound Books, I don't think we originally meant for that to happen, but we do have, like, there's all these anthologies, our Night Terrors, not extreme at all. Um, a lot of our novels, too, are not extreme, uh, but I think those other ones really stand out. So, again, if, if they are shy about not dipping their toes in the water, but getting their face blasted off, basically, with <laughs> Bentley Little's The Machine or, or something from uh, John Skip and DOA, they could just, you know, check out some of the more mainstream stuff that we do, too. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's, and that's something else leading in perfectly. Oh. Really good at this leading in stuff. We we have we're unconnected. We're already and I'm really sorry already that <laughs> he cut the connection. <laughs> um, your horror shop, um, it has everything. 
like all kinds of books. And interestingly, there's the sun is like really weird. Oh. Um, and uh, it, I mean, it starts at like $25 for a Rap James White signed copy for 25 bucks. Yeah. Like, and then you have all the way down to Earworm for $10. And people, when I say that that is a phenomenal book, that's a phenomenal book. I had so much goddamn fun with that book. And it's 10 bucks. That book is one of my all-time favorites. I don't know what happened that it didn't just take off, right? I will be doing another giveaway probably next month to try to garner some reviews for that. I hope that people that listen, maybe we'll do some kind of push when this is released. I'll drop it down for 99 cents. Just tell me when this is going out and let's let's do something like that because people need to get to know Aaron Thomas Milstead. That book is phenomenal and I'm glad you connected with it. <laughs> I have, and I'm... I'm you know, and some people are going to crucify me for this, and that's their business. That's okay. You, know, you want to do what you want to do. I write in my books. I write in my books. I highlight. I underline. And I, that poor book, that poor book. <laughs> once I got a hold of it, there's so many funny things in it, and it's just like it's phenomenal, and I. I was surprised because a lot of times I go in and I don't want to know anything about the book. I want to go in and just be completely surprised. And that book, there's just so much. There's just so much. It's <laughs> hard to encapsulate it, right? <laughs> it really is because there's so much going on in it, but it's not overdone, which some books are. Mm. But everything is seamless and you feel so bad for this character just shitty day after shitty day yeah yeah just going downhill into that's kind of a lot like santa's package and i wonder if that's why you enjoyed it so for those who maybe don't know the plot this guy um gets an earworm basically something is talking to him he's hearing voices but he doesn't know if it's real there's there's this voice tells that it's a parasite right from another planet basically and that it's living inside of him now and we have a mission to do and you have to follow what i'm saying it's like oh my gosh but he also was diagnosed with this brain issue and one of the side effects could be hallucination and so without even thinking because it's been years in between that santa's package was actually a lot kind of like that too am i really going crazy or is something talking to me? And then the whole thing is just peppered throughout with this mission he goes on and pop culture references and dark humor mm-hmm. again. And I think it has a really heartwarming kind of ending at the uh, at the close. And I think that's what I like from books nowadays. Um, I don't need everyone dead in a pile of gore and vomit. I kind of sometimes want, you know, I want a different type of ending. And so I think Earworm uh, allowed us to play with those kind of themes. It's kind of sci-fi-ish. It's, I don't even know if it's horror, oh, yeah. to be honest. It's more like sci-fi and fantasy and humor, right? Oh, definitely. I think there's a couple gore parts. Yeah. But um, it has, because I one of my favorite tropes is the unreliable narrator. I want to question all the way through it. This, this person. <laughs> and I want that. And a lot of people don't. They don't mm-hmm. think of the ambiguity. And I'm like, well, you know, if you want to read Nicholas Sparks, have fun. So <laughs> unreliable narrator. Yes. And I think that's really what got me, is 
Well, that and I love pop culture references. Mm -hmm. I think that that's fun because I can be like, you know, you can nerd out over things. Me too. (laughs) Right? So just so you guys know, it's like $10. I'm telling you, it's worth every penny. It's it's a spectacular. I think that, you know, as a publisher, you you knocked that one out of the park, kicking that one up because... Thank you. It's it's special. It was one of my faves. Oh, good. I'm so glad. And then, um, let's see here. I've got notes. Okay. Notes. And notes on notes. Oh, my God. You should see my poor notebooks. (laughs) Uh, You also have an Etsy store. Yep. Which is really cool. And there's, like, really great, like, little birthday cards and signed copies and coloring books. Yeah, so I grabbed this one. So we have body art. Yes. this was so wild. Yeah, you've read the book, right? I can't remember if I sent I you not that. Yet. Ar- not yet. Okay. No. Well, this just retells. Uh, I'll try to pick a. No, I'll do a nod safe for TV since we already gave warnings. But it, it basically retells the story on the bottom of body art. And I, me, Christopher Tran, and actually Drew Stepic was there at this convention where we we mm-hmm. kind of did this. It was before Drew got there though, but it was a Comic Con. I guess it was called Phoenix Fan Fusion, and we were pitching around a lot of ideas. And we came up with this coloring book idea. I thought it would take off, and not a lot of people have picked it up, which is very surprising to me. And I think it might be because the marking on it is really difficult, because you got a naked woman again on there. Yeah. We had this weird theme, and I talked. Chris and I have both talked about it, and we started looking at some of his books together. And we go, dude, on every cover, there's like either a naked or a bloody woman. We gotta like change this up. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've got one of those. Yeah, it's we were trying to do it subliminal, and it's all made up of words. And I now, in hindsight, I'm like, maybe this wasn't the route to go, but it was a very subliminal book. So, yeah, covers for authors out there. There's this idea of what you want to do because you think it's cool, and then maybe what might be the best idea for marketing. And that's a very fine line that you have to decide on your own. And there's no right or wrong, but. Yeah, it's been difficult to push that. So if people want it, again, that's on the website, and there are shirts that go with it. So people yeah. could be walking around with "I love gore I horror" on it. <laughs> I saw the t-shirts, and because it's the one where like all the women are on it. There, there's a yeah. There's a couple interesting ones. I think there's also I've got one that says "gore horror" that has a dude on a meat hook. I'm almost positive. Let me. Uh, Hard to keep all of it straight, right? But I think it's this one, where the two girls are cutting open this particular guy. I really feel like I should wear that to pick my... Yeah, like, trying to find a spot for this shirt, again, a really cool idea, but you go, hmm, heading off to Walmart, I don't know if now's the time to wear my I Love Gore Horse shirts, you know, or kids, get in the car, you know, mom's here, honk, honk, and I don't, you know... Chris, even we gave, we sent to Chris a shirt. I know he's got a cool V-neck, but I don't see him wearing it at conventions because I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of stigma, so again, it's there if anyone wants it, but meh, we'll see. I think, I think that's what's cool is there is that you know your your safe stuff, your books, yeah, you know, and then there's the you know T-shirt. So if you want to go, you know, white elephant gifts, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes. If you want to give somebody at church a special birthday present, you know, I'm just saying, it's a one-stop shop. Yes, and I think those birthday cards are are beautiful. That I will send, uh, I don't have any of them on me, I don't think, but we have like Jaws birthday cards and Hellraisers, so, yes. um, yeah, 
those are fun for for everybody. We kept those very PG thirteen, and I think it's and like a great yeah. They're super colorful. Like that's because a lot of them you see are you know black and white, but these are like pop. Yeah. And they're the artist rendition of these characters, so it's not like a still of Pinhead. I know some people try to just nab like a picture. This is an artist who did their like their rendering of, of Jaws or their rendering right. of, of uh, It, you know, the Pennywise, I should say. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it is really beautiful. Thank you. Um, and those are always at conventions. Um, those are usually a huge thing. People love the cards, and it's really nice to see them. Different. Yeah. Different. And you always know someone who likes one of them. Yeah. And y'all know someone who has a birthday, so there's no reason why those shouldn't be set going like hotcakes, right? <laughs> right? Everybody has a birthday. Up to and including us. This so, is okay. true. Remember. <laughs> so, let's... And I found something on the website, and I clicked on it, and of course I clicked on it like 15 times, because I was like, maybe it's me and my fat finger. It's not working. But Christopher Triana, does he have a new one coming out called A Fine Evening in Heaven? Oh my goodness, you do, do have good fingers. They're not fat. They didn't go anywhere because that link hasn't been done yet. But I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Real, I have... This is a hardcover that's not quite ready yet. In fact, like I have his picture on the other side. I want it back and I'm doing a couple things, but... When this is ready, there will be a pre-order up. So it's a fine evening in hell. It is not extreme horror because much like me, I think there's a lot to Chris that people tend to forget. And he does other stuff. Um, and so we went completely different type of cover. And this is basically a... This is like a thriller. Almost like a crime thriller. Um, I'll give it away pretty quickly, just a little bit. The Please. teaser is... There's this woman who's on the verge of a divorce, and she is kind of looking for some excitement, but she gets a little more than she bargained for. And while looking for some private time with this younger man she's been dating, they kind of park at an abandoned warehouse, not realizing that inside, two criminals who have just completed a major heist are hiding out. And just like I like to do, and in those Quentin Tarantino things, right, where it just snowballs, you have a regular day, and then... Before she knows it, Heather is in a fine evening from hell, and she is with these criminals, driving them across state lines, and is to get back to her kid, because she's married, right, and has a child, she right. will do basically whatever it takes to get through this um, and to get back to her child. And one thing that Chris is great at yet again, um, I don't know if you've read They All Died Screaming, but taking villains and showing you their story. It's so easy to write a bad guy and to have them just be the bad guy. It really messes with you when you can identify with the bad guy to a point, being in dire straits, trying to justify that bad thing that you did that wasn't as bad as these other people, though. And it makes right. you question who's a villain and why. And he does it all very nicely, and he does it in now a crime suspense rather than a horror book. And so you did find That's it. I'm so glad you found it. Janu Janu we were messing around with the pre-order for like around mid to late January, but it really depends. I like the book to be good, and I don't like cutting anything too close, so it might just eventually go up for a February 15th release. We'll see, but everyone stay tuned, and I'll make sure to share that around. So that good job sleuthing. Funny. I like that. I am. <laughs> well, people say I'm like the FBI. Like, I'm like, I knew. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I mean, and it's because and it's, I kept clicking, and I was like, I haven't, because there's this... Um, one lady, and she's on my Facebook. She's in books before uh, Tara, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I do not want to butcher her name, but she is a Triana fanatic. And I'm like, did I find something before she did? (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) So there was like two others I think I teased her with because I know what a big fan she was. And they were, they've been teased before. It was like the ivory dealer and um, uh, hell is full of palm trees. So they were in the listings for books coming from him in one of our uh, one. We had to redo some stuff because one of the cool things about working with authors closely is we make suggestions, you know, and, and if I think like maybe some could be enhanced or the author wants to take a look through them because I think he wrote a lot of these a long time ago and is now like going through all the manuscripts with us. And there was like, you know what, let's put this on pause. A fine evening is ready. And those ones will be done when they're done. And I think Tara heard that message. She's like, oh, my gosh. And then it was like a teaser because it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, this book that no one knows about is suddenly going to drop. And I didn't tease it at all until now. (laughs) Surprise. It's coming. Go to the website and be ready. (laughs) Tara, go. Tara, it's coming. (laughs) So speaking of new books coming, let's talk about Call Me Who. Woohoo! This one is, and I got a switch because the sun is directly. Oh, crazy. absolutely. Alaska. Yeah. Alaska. You know? Oh, why do you live <laughs> in sunlight for four hours? It's uh, a tease. It really is. It's like, this is what you get in three months. Um, <laughs> so, Call Me Hope. It comes out, I believe, February 15th, 14th. Yes, um, I think, and this was interesting how this all worked out. Uh, Valentine's Day for Chris's book, uh, and then the 15th, because that goes with, now as I'm remembering, yeah, we're doing all the Call Me Hoop series on the 15th, so February 15th, that one will be set to go. Um, People can always pre-order now. I do have something up there, but I haven't made a landing page yet. I just sent out an email today to all the authors, so... God willing, and, and, and the waters don't rise, as you said earlier, maybe I will be getting back some readings from them, of them reading some of their favorite parts of their stories, and I will build a whole landing page where people can do the pre-order um, and all that good stuff, and it will always be a little cheaper, because I'm like, well, what's the, the purpose of a pre-order? Well, kind of to gauge excitement, so if you do it, you really are helping us out. Um, you're more than welcome to wait. It's usually a dollar or two more if you wait, but getting it direct from us is, is always nicer for us a little bit more goes to the authors and more helps us out of course. Um, but it'll be there and it's going to be a a giant paperback. I don't have that proof on me. It's actually with Joe right now. He's doing a quick pass on it. We're looking and making sure everything is good. Um, but yeah, I want to have all the authors up there reading and this, uh, if Drew hasn't talked to you about it already and the fans don't know yet is basically a very ambitious anthology that just developed in a crazy way. And originally, it was a story that Drew had submitted for DOA3, and I don't see that one on the bookshelf, but that one with Bentley Little, and that one with Lloyd Kaufman of Troma and all these great people, and we didn't take it. And he has, I think, been very vocal about this idea that that was one of the best things that happened to him. And we've kind of used it as this rejection for authors, doesn't have to be the death of something. This happened back in 2017. It just wasn't right. I loved Drew to death. I remember having wings with him before Knuckle Supper came out like eight years ago, I want to say. We were just sitting at this strip mall, basically, and hanging out, eating wings, and going over stuff. But it evolved into this, he wanted to do a series uh, where people were kind of trapped in hell. And then all of a sudden, he decided, no, I'm going to open this up to other authors. 
and it mm-hmm. just snowballed. And I was like, okay, man, this is really ambitious. I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> and I think the, the schedule he wanted to do was insane because basically authors were pitching him their version of this hoop universe. And for anyone who doesn't know this world, basically there is a character called Sonny Hooper. Um, and there's a whole backstory that Drew can give you on that. But his deal is to punish scumbags. And so they are the effing scumbags burn in hell series, basically. And each episode is another rotten person who encounters this hoop-like character. Or not hoop-like, but this kind of devil-like yeah. character. And he puts them through the ringer. And there's a bit of a formula, but we keep trying to switch it a little bit and a little bit. In a way, it's like the Twilight Zone. You know that you have your narrator, Rod Serling. You know that there's going to be some kind of twist, and then you're in for the ride. And it just becomes creative how these people are almost tortured, and this story's unfolded. And Drew now went ahead and has got something planned out with Lucy, and they are now going to expand it by a twist ending. And so there's a story that nobody has read except for me and maybe like four other people. Have you read it? Called The Diner? Okay, yes, you're you're one of the chosen. Welcome. No. <laughs> Everyone will see it soon enough, but it is now ties everything up that there is more to this story than just torturing people um, who go to hell, quote unquote. There's a bigger plot to it. And so that will be unleashed to the public in the anthology Call Me Hoop, which is all of season one. You get all the stories from start to finish, plus the closing epilogue, um, all in one print book. Uh, yep. And I and I saw that, and I pre-ordered the same day that it. it came out. Ah. Have to have that. Fantastic. Because the series is phenomenal, and there are so many different authors. There's, you know, Lucas, which yeah. his story, and he and I have talked about this. His story was the worst for me because I don't like eyeballs. Oh. Nope. Yeah, nope. yeah. I, I'm all simple. I'm the biggest with bag on the planet. <laughs> so you've seen like the famous director of, uh, 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 was it Fulci? With every scene is like something going into their eye and the movie's not, no? Okay, I'm going to send you those links. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> no, I saw the one that, uh, who did that? Uh, Salvador Dali, Unshien um, something. Oh, okay. And it's his French and there's like yes cut, and I'm like, it's black and white and it's going into the eye I have Salvador Dali I love Salvador but no sir <laughs> no <laughs> and then um, Lewis Kelly is in it he actually had one of my top books of the year really um, awesome yeah The Hunger one of my favorites of the year um, Lucy Leitner I feel like Lucy is looking for me because talks about women and she talks about the fatties okay (laughs) like i can admit it so like i read that and now i have to look over my shoulder like am i gonna get run (laughs) oh are you one of the karens (laughs) i'm afraid i'm one of those ones karen oh right 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 today is the day that's so I always funny. Let my kids go out first into the road. I'm just oh, that, yeah, I know the scene you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Every single one of them was so good. Like the trap house cracked me up. The whole thing because like 
and I told Drew, there's a scene where um, the main character, who you just hate, like you just hate him, he gets his card declined at a store, and everyone's laughing at him. Uh. Look, I've been through that when I was younger. Like that, like that affected me. I was like, don't you laugh? <laughs> question your sanity <laughs> yeah but that that i think is what maybe we forget and and maybe it's an extreme horror but i felt really strange i feel that some odd questions that you know maybe you you have insight on this but people are like that character was so terrible and i was so offended by it and why did he do this i was like it was a bad guy you weren't supposed to like them like they were bad on purpose and then i also think though that if you're seeing something, like you said, where you identify with the villain, it doesn't mean that you're all bad. There's like uh, no. aspects of you, right, that maybe you want to work on and this aspect really talk to you. That's kind of that cathartic aspect of yes. horror that's so good, right? You get to see the way that person reacted in a way you'll hopefully never do, right? But you understand them for a second and I think that helps you grow and that's what people who are worried about this blood and guts don't always get about horror and why it's important and why I I don't I guess I don't see a difference between me loving this heartwarming earworm and then this blood and right. guts or wanting to help children but by the same token publish the horrible stuff and call me hoop right like the horrible right. stories in there um, but yeah so I'm I'm glad that people are starting to recognize it and I honestly thought that hoop would it would get old, that formula, and it, it didn't. Um, it sounds like you felt the same way, that it didn't drag, because that was a concern that I had a bit. Oh, good. Because every single author had something different to say about him and about his backstory and about, you know, who he was. And yeah, I just, and, you know, I love cathartic novels. Like, um, Lindsay Crook had one called Man at Christmas, and I was like, God, I hate Christmas. I really need it. <laughs> like, I need to see other people get like killed. <laughs> and I think that because, you know, as you know, we all think horrible thoughts at one time. And I think having something like hope and these characters, they kind of make us, you know what? I'm not so bad. I'm not such a bad person <laughs> you know and i think that that's and that goes for extreme horror in general but hope man that guy he's a it's good he's an interesting fella yeah interesting but the one book that mm -hmm. i really want to talk about that is coming out is bluffing Woo! i'm super excited for that this, so this is like a brand new project. Okay, so this is something that uh, I'll, I'll give one of my things on charity. So obviously a part of our Bloodbound books is, is just that's a mission of it. But obviously people don't know that first about us. I think there's a fine line and I talked about with Drew and some other people 
of like doing a charitable anthology, I see a lot happen and it almost seems like the whole idea is this excitement and raising some money but then you, you, you hand over the money and nothing's ever really done after that. It's not really a component of it and sometimes I think it's for the publicity and that's not anyone in particular but I almost told myself, you know what, I never want to do just one of these things. I want my lifestyle and the company to be about charity. I don't want one of these flash in the pan, you know, charitable projects. Nothing against them, it was my own personal thing. And then, of course, an author that I worked with a long time ago, um, Mark Sinow, uh, who I had known, he did a Horror for Good anthology years ago, back in 2012, and we met at KillerCon, I think it was 2012 also, and he pitched this idea. And we hadn't worked with him in a while, and he said, hey, I'd really like to do a charitable anthology, do you, do you want to do it? And I'm like, oh, oh I just don't know, We're taking on this new project. And Joe is supporting a local organization called Read Better, Be Better. So for short, RBBB, which is interesting because most people shorten us to BBB, right? And their whole thing is promoting childhood literacy. And when I was reading the mission statement, I didn't even really know this about Joe. It was just something he does on the, did on the side, you know? Um, I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually a fantastic program. And maybe there's something that we could meld with the Books for uh, Classrooms program. And so I actually got in touch with them. And it, again, with charities, you can't always do that. You don't get to talk to the CEO of you know, right. some of these major corporations, or I guess you should say 501s. Um, and so they were like, you guys want to do a charitable anthology to help support us? And I was like, yes, I do. And so we picked Read Better, Be Better as our uh, charity. And Mark Sinow, who lives in New Orleans, picked Hager's House. Um, and apparently that is a... Uh, organization that then helps out people who have been displaced, uh, mostly women and children who either could be from a domestic incident, they have to find housing um, to escape a dangerous situation, or it could be something like they're displaced because of the flooding that goes on there, the, the hurricane season, stuff that happens, they need shelter. So he said, I want that to be mine, he's going to help out a local charity. We still get to do our thing working with kids with Read Better, Be Better. And I said, okay, let's do this thing. Let's let's do it. Uh, Drew is actually making the cover as we speak. So that'll be nice. teased out, fingers crossed, within the next two weeks. We will also have a Kickstarter. So hopefully I didn't accidentally leave a link up for that and you found that one too soon on the website. I I yes. <laughs> I'm getting it set up. So we are going to launch an Indiegogo to try to help cover this. We have some amazing authors on the list. So we've got people like Neil Gaiman is going to be on it. Uh, our mainstay with Christopher Triana again will be there. Mm -hmm. uh, Keelan Patrick Burke, who he did uh, Sour Candy, which I absolutely loved um, and read that and just started to fall in love with all of his stuff. He also, I think, is doing a see something of his has been being turned into a TV show that's got something to do with John Carpenter and something called Night Terrors. Look that up, Google it, maybe that's for fans to look at, but it was super exciting, so he's going to be there. We have Joe Kaplan, um, uh, Max Booth III, who just had his movie come out for We Need to Do Something. So just a lot of cool people, some are first-timers that I've worked with, um, and some are you know ones that I've worked with for years that I'm very excited about. Um, and we are basically doing the Indiegogo to get as much money as possible to pay the authors for their contributions. I know the majority of them have either donated a story or some have taken a reduced rate in the hope that we pay off all the production costs first and then be able to start splitting the money for charity. So on this Indiegogo, you'll have the opportunity to pre-order um, 
you know, either the paperback of Blood Bank or the Kindle, but then there's going to have all these tiers where, hey, you know what? If you spend a certain amount and we're still working out what that looks like, not only will all three of us sign the paperback anthology, but we'll also give you a credit in the acknowledgement section, right? So when we thank people, like you donated enough that we really appreciate what you did. That'll be in there. I'll have a section where you can buy... All of the greeting cards, right, that we were talking about, we'll have a section where it's greeting cards and our specialty bookmarks. I'll have one that will be probably all the anthologies that I've either edited myself or books that I've done. I will sign them, personalize them with the idea that everything you buy first is going to pay off the production costs and then they're going to be split between the charities. Um, And the idea is that every quarter, we don't want this to be a one and done. We're keeping in touch with them. So every quarter we're going to redonate whatever we've made that quarter for sales and it will go on for five years. So we got the rights to do the story, keep it in print for five years. So every quarter for five years, it's going that way at the end. I mean, the authors can resell their stories. They can do whatever they want. But at the end of that, that book will go out of print um, and that will be the end of it. And so, yeah, if, if everyone could get on there when it drops and hopefully it, again within the next week or two. I have a very busy January now that I'm talking are. to you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wowza. I'm, I'm so happy that we're talking. Yeah, yeah. This will be great. Oh, the sun's shifting again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Making me look like a jackass. Oh, I do that all on my own. <laughs> but... With Indiegogo, is there going to be a place where they can just donate money? Yeah, um, and that's one of the things. I'll either have the link back to our PayPal thing where they could just donate, or I think on Indiegogo, what I'm realizing is they have to have like a quote-unquote item. Um, I didn't see a donation button, so like I could put $5 just to the cause, um, but I think you right. would have to do $5 then, And in which case, if that's it and I can't have them just pick the amount they want, Excuse me, I'll probably have a link to our PayPal again and add Blood Bank as one of our options that you could say I want to donate any amount of money and instead of, you know, the Shriners Hospital or Books for Blood or the Classroom, it'll just be Blood Bank. Um, Yeah. And that sounds awesome. And I I don't know exactly how because I literally just threw this at SC today. Okay. But Mothers of Mayhem will want to get involved. And if not Mothers of Mayhem, at least me, um... Literacy is a huge thing to me because, um, again, my son is autistic, so he is behind grade level. And I saw a statistic that, like, if at 89% of children by the third grade, if they are not at grade level, then they don't, their graduation rate goes down. And so literacy is a huge thing. Like you can see my books behind me, but what you don't see is the two completely full bookcases for my children who are seven and five. Like (laughs) it's not like they're reading chapter books yet. Right. My God, we have them. (laughs) Um, And we, we donate, um, we donate to the school every year, whatever class my children are in. We do um, five books at Christmas. For each child in their class. Wow, that's because beautiful. We make sure we want to make sure that number one, they at least have a gift, and number two, by God, you're going to learn to read if you're on my watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because literacy is extremely important. I mean, obviously, people know that, but at the same time, they don't because they don't read to their children at night. I read to my children every single. Night. Oh, bless you! Yeah. 
So, and it's not, it's not what I call baby books, the picture books. I read them like chapter books. I read them about zombies and you learn about, you know, it's fun. And they, are you going to read to me tonight? Sure. <sighs> sure. Mommy doesn't have anything else to do. But we do. And it's usually until they go to sleep. And then 98% of the time, mommy keeps reading because it's a really good book. <laughs> oh, it, that is so worth the investment. What you said is so true. I have dealt with kids um, later on, so I work at, they always like to change the label of these, but I'll just call it a non-traditional or an at-risk school. It is so difficult for the kids you're talking about to come back once they have fallen behind. If they're able to skirt through the cracks in the system and get by without then having to read, they will, but then it bites them in the behind when they get to high school. And there's almost nowhere to turn anymore, and there's a lot of embarrassment because no one ever held them accountable to do it. They're also embarrassed that they can't read all that well or that they don't like it. And so it's, it's really hard starting again. Anything that a parent can do is so huge. So we are on the same page 100%. Yeah. Thank you so much. That investment, yeah. I know parents do so much, but gosh, getting your kid, even if it's reading to them rather than the kid reading, just encouraging them, mm -hmm. changes the way their brain thinks they become more creative they're able yeah. to problem solve when you can visualize even if mommy's reading to you you see all the stuff in your own mind's eye and it fires up those neurons in a way that just watching a video can't do the video tells you what you are yeah. supposed to see and so yeah i i love that you do that thank you and and you're and if they and if you don't feel comfortable reading aloud to your children do audiobooks yeah like, I, you know, if I have a sore throat or if I'm not feeling good, we do audiobooks of, like, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, you know? Yes. It's something simple, but it's something, it's still words coming at them as they're going to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so we're not sure yet. And, of course, I haven't talked talk to Miriam, and she's just like, our own girl. <laughs> we do want to be involved because I think that this is – this is something, especially not only that part, but displacement. I worked um, for the Southern Illinois Coalition for the Homeless for years, and it's a nonprofit helping homeless, uh, homeless families and singles find housing, and they have the housing. And my mom actually is a case manager, and my brother's a property manager. There's no nepotism. There. <laughs> um, none. Um, but, I mean, my mom's been there for, like, 25 years. So it's a – both of them are very close to me. Oh, then, so, see, yeah. then this is perfect. It doesn't matter. Whatever you guys want to do, we will make it work, um, and we'll find something cool. Even that means, like, maybe I, – I don't know. However we get the word out, we will do something to help, and we'll work with Mark. And, uh, yeah, let me get this Indiegogo stuff up, and then yeah. we'll find a way to make it happen. We're tentatively planning for a spring kind of release. Um, that's the idea. So maybe March around spring break, something like that. Uh, yeah. but we're going to keep you posted. So I'm excited yeah, for whatever opportunities so come up. You guys are hip and happening right now. Oh, let me tell you, like, I feel like a chicken without a head. I'm always running around. So if I don't get back to someone, just continue to pester me. Know that I have like a million plates that are spinning, uh, but they're all good. And I feel like 2022, right? This is, this is the year that a lot of these projects are going to come to fruition. So I'm super excited for this year. So speaking of 2022, mm -hmm. now we're just going yeah. to segue into just chit-chatting some more. Let's do it. Where do you think, especially with the rise of Godless, 
and you know the extreme horror and getting you guys out there and getting other publishers out there where do you see extreme horror and the like in 2022 hmm that is so interesting i think well i don't know you know how like sometimes i don't want to call it echo chamber but we we build the perception around us so me and lucy were talking about this a lot on Facebook, I'm friends with mostly authors, you know, and readers who like the same kind of stuff. So I have this belief that maybe extreme horror is getting huge and more acceptable, you know, but I'm not really sure. If I'm being honest, and I think looking back, I think Godless is maybe having the same, how do I want to say it? I don't want to say the same problems, but the same, it's coming up against some of the same obstacles that we had as Bloodbound Books. Whatever happens, people tend to say, oh, they're for extreme horror. That's an extreme horror publishing platform, and that's where I go and get those books. And that automatically turns some people off, and they don't discover the earworms, right? They don't discover the night terrors or the cute greeting cards that we have or know about uh, improving classrooms because they have this idea of what extreme horror is. So It's like being pigeonholed. Yeah, we were stereotyped, right? You know, sometimes I think of Christopher Walken, I mean... He was almost always Christopher Walken. He was always going to stab your eye out with the soldering. Didn't matter what role he was in almost, right? You just knew you were watching Christopher Walken. That's a a broad stroke against him, though. I mean, he had lots of roles, but I think about that, right? Or or villains just in general. So, like, oh my gosh, how do we get out of that? So I think in 2022, one thing... I think maybe you'll see a distinction. There's going to be some extreme horror that is totally for shock, but I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that like we do with Call Me Hoop, um, stuff that I do with Nikki and Lucy, where there's a little bit more to it. I think the best thing we can do is getting out like this and being vocal. I don't know that we've always done that in the past. Uh, I haven't always been comfortable about doing the podcast and sharing these other parts of me, especially since I was a teacher in the past. And to talk about all this was very nerve-wracking. I didn't want to, you know, lose out on all the good stuff I did for kids or have, you know, that question of maybe you shouldn't be in front of children. Right. You know? The whole, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're a bad person if you read this. And you're like, but, you know, then there's people who read romance and you're like, but that's what you think life is all about. Yeah. So there's bad people in the world. Oh, yeah. There's in the world. There's, Without a doubt. So. This is, so this stuff is real. And so I don't know, it's, it's finding that, that line of, is it really going to go mainstream? I don't think it ever will. What I think will end up happening, and I, I think, I'm hoping at least, people like us and you doing all this, there'll be that line, um, you've read Jack Ketchum. He was somebody who always was so good about walking that line, and an interesting story, just something for Jack, who's also Dallas, a lot of authors will know him as Dallas Mayer. He was supposed to be in DOA 3 with an original before what went in there with Ed Lee was there, he was very sick at the time. Um, Now, this is a guy who's had mainstream success, and he writes very graphic stuff, but he was always cool about talking with us and working with us and as an indie publisher. That's one thing that I will remember about him. And I would like to think that that's the future for extreme horror. We will be like almost like a Jack Ketchum, where we can play with the big dogs and maybe people like... Stephen King will every once in a while throw us this blurb, right? Jack Ketchum's the scariest guy in America. I don't know when that was said, but we'll be kind of like a hymn where we have this independent world and people will like a lot of our mainstream stuff because he's done things that are not at all like The Girl Next Door, which is horrifying, right? That is tragic. And he's written stuff with Ed Lee that 
the OA3, the, the no arms, no leg person having sex or whatever. They're just they're totally bizarre. But he's able to straddle that. And I guess in my ramblings, as I often do, hopefully that answers what I'm thinking extreme horror can be. That, that at least is my goal, that we get a bigger audience, but we're always still these independent people. We never get too big right. for our britches, and we always give back. Our way of giving back could be the community or to more indie people, because I felt that's what Jack did. He had a lot of success right. in the mainstream, but he always took care of us, provided we had a quality product. Uh, you know, We paid, we took care of people. He was willing to meet you there, and I would like to see that happening with Godless, um, with all small publishers in the indie horror field. I suppose. Right. Because there are, you know, there are such small publishers, you know, and, you know, you've got to compete with like Penguin. Yeah. You know, like, I've been doing this for, you know, forever. I wanted to say like hundreds of years. We've <laughs> <laughs> been around for a long time. But decades upon decades, though. It's been a long time right. that they've had the stranglehold. But also, I think that there is this huge rise, and I think, like, even Facebook pages, like, Books of Horror has really helped. Like, there'll be their one book, and it's just, like, they go crazy for this book, and they just go on for weeks, and I'm just like, yeah, we get it. This is a great book. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, wow. something so small, like, um... Felix Blackwell's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that. Tongues. It was like, and he even came on and was like, guys, what the FedEx happened? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if someone wants to go viral with our stuff, I've got, I've, I've, I've thought about this. So Felix, you know, not to side tangent, I want to throw this out there. Um, oh, please. So that is like perfect. That's, I think what happens if you can get a book picked up for whatever the reason, th- some things go viral. And that's what you need to be catapulted. And suddenly then you get the kind of visibility that Penguin and these other publishers, they can pay for. At our level, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast, Horror Business, a lot. You know, you want to go to these indie publishers. They do have more of a budget than maybe an independent author does. But it's not even comparable. And so we're still not making a dent in the water. You literally need to have everything going off at once there's this beautiful that's what going viral means so if someone picks it up in one group someone does a weird tiktok on it or says what the f and it's a scene from stolen tongues or from some of those other ones that popped up like dead inside it just goes off the hook and controversy can also breed like Mm. just curiosity right i just want to read it suddenly you get that mainstream talk and so i've wanted to make this happen you can't make a, a virality, I guess you call it, happen. But I have a book that I read that was the most horrifying thing ever. It, it puts to shame. I love Chandler Morrison. Uh, Dead Inside, though, some of the things that people are talking about in there. I was physically, physically ill. Chandler Morrison is awesome. He did uh, a reading in the Splatter Club for Dead Inside. We had him as one of the monthly authors, and it was just so much fun. I worked with him in Welcome to the Splatter Club Volume 1. Just, I really enjoyed him. He was very great to work with, and I think he's a fantastic writer. So he's earned everything he's gotten, for sure. But I feel like this story was based on a true story, too, which made it even more horrifying. And I was thinking, huh, if the people who love this read this, I don't know if they would love it 
or be completely mortified and want to ban it. But either way, I think it would get some publicity. I don't know the right way to offer it to people or to get it talked about, but I, maybe I'll run some ideas past you. I was even thinking of offering it. It's by a woman named KJ Moore. It's in the, mm. the anthology, or sorry, the collection, hashtag horrible. And it's the last story mm. in there. It's called Tasteless. And I've been thinking about just offering it for free on the website, provided people will just write an opinion about it and share it mm. on social media. But those things go viral, and it really can change an author and break them out yeah. into, oh, this is someone we talk about now, and now you've got your next Jack Ketchum. You look back at their stuff and like, oh, my God, you wrote that? But then everybody knows about them, so definitely. Yeah, because especially with Chandler Morrison, like, a lot of people know Chandler Morrison is my literary crush. Oh. I love him so much um, because I read Dead Inside, and, you know, Death inside is dead. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and I try to explain it to people, and I always pick that one scene. Yeah. And I think you know what I'm talking I about. I do. Um, I do. That's always the scene I talk about, and they're just like slowly taking their children further. <laughs> yeah. But then I read Human Shaped Fiends, and I was like, "You son of." Oh, I haven't read that yet. So much. It is completely opposite. Okay. It's completely him stripped down, meta, it's very... And I think it's like the idea of being pigeonholed. Like, he's known for dead inside, but that's not who he is. So you're known for extreme horror, but that's not all that you are. And I love that I can compare you to Jim. I feel <laughs> honored. I don't know that I deserve that, but I. <laughs> My day. <laughs> um, but, you know, even talking about, you know, even bad press. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't looked into it. I don't know what he did. But something about a reading at a yeah. convention. I don't know anything about it. Oh, I, mean, I could give you my perspective, I, I, but. I was like, I can't do any more than I already Yeah. Like, restraining order is already in the mail. Um, Careful, okay. Chandler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm super lazy. Um, but it, it is that, that idea. Like, one one small thing can make a complete viral difference. Because it was, I've seen um, The Dead Inside. I saw Womb by Duncan Yes. Nelson. He also was a book of the month for us in Splatter Club. Yeah. He is... Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I should read Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> Maybe that will help me. Um, but it, you're right. All it takes is one. And even seeing a bad review, like, I hated this book. It's terrible. There's one book that, and one of the groups I'm in, they were like, this is the worst book I've ever read. And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. not and picking it up. Yeah. Because that's what... Okay, you say it's terrible, but am I going to say that? Exactly. I think that's an interesting way. But I'm hoping, this is my hope, that 2022 is the year of extreme. That's what I'm hoping. I'm down for it. I love it. But I also like, like, earworm. Like, can we that? I love that kind of stuff. I think that, because I read... A literally everything. I read literary fiction. I read, you mm-hmm. know, middle grade. I read YA. I read extreme horror. I read 
you know, I read everything. And I think, not rom-com, I don't have time. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, oh, my God. Now, calm rom, we can talk. (laughs) But, you know, I think, I don't know, that's what I'm, that's my hope. And I think that's what Marion and I really want to get across is there's so much more out there than, you know, Stephen King, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, the big one. Life isn't all Stephen King, like, especially Elevation. Yeah, and and think about, I mean, Stephen King has some, when I I really think about it, and I, 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 I didn't, like, the ending of It, there's some crazy things that go on, like, Stephen King has out there stuff, but we don't seem to bat an eye when, like, you know, people said, there's like a child orgy thing at the end of it. I'm like, well, k- kind of. Yeah, I guess there is. Stephen King wrote that. That wasn't in the movie. I'm like, well, this is this is a book, right? And he's done all these really bad, not bad, but you know, like you said, graphic stuff. So how come he's not got that title, you know? So I guess people just need to get used to it. I wonder, and maybe this is a, a, a tangent we can go off on for a little bit, but I'm almost concerned about the idea of coining this term extreme horror and having a label. In fact, maybe I'll give you and Miriam some a project to do because I know I do not want to say that we started this, but when we started, uh, can I go on a tangent for this 20? I know we were going to talk about 2022, but when we started Bloodbound Books, okay, thank you. Uh, Those three anthologies, I said, okay, I wanted to do an anthology called Night Terrors because it was going to be all mainstream, like Twilight Zone. It was for everybody. I also wanted us to do a creature anthology, but at the time, I had been, like, from 2004 to about 2008, right before we started, there was this slew of independent publishers that I was finding on forums because it was before I ever did social media. They were doing a lot of anthologies that were theme-based, and they were all vampires or all werewolves or all zombies. I'm like, oh, this is so boring to me. But I know people like them, but I wanted something new. So we did uh, an anthology called Unspeakable, which was all creatures, but we wanted them to be unique and not your everyday monsters. And the third one we did, I didn't know what to call it. Now, obviously, there was extreme stuff before, and there was the whole splatterpunk movement in the 80s. I didn't know about that at the time because I didn't have that stuff in bookstores. So when you mentioned the access to books... I read Richard Matheson. I was reading like, again, I'll go and say, just call it Twilight Zone stuff, dark fantasy. But it wasn't this violent kind of stuff. I saw that in movies. That I was able to get my hands on. So maybe you had like, we had King Video and Video Update and then Hollywood Video. I could go in there and see trauma movies, like people's heads exploding. I'm like, dude, we're going to rent this today. And we could just rent these and even... My buddy in high school, his girlfriend worked at Hollywood Video. So I would get these, and when 2009 rolled around, I said, you know what, dude? I want to have a book that's like these B-movies that are just blood, boobs, and beasts, and like, let's do this. Let's make some extreme horror anthology. So that's what DOA was. I don't know if it was always called extreme horror before then. I don't know if it was called splatterpunk or what it was called. So if you have any idea, and obviously it was, again, always talked about, but I didn't know. I saw Clockwork Orange before I knew it was a book. And then American Psycho, same thing. So I felt ridiculous. I'm like, wait, that's a book? This is violent. This is great. We need more stuff like that. And so that's how I came to know extreme horror. And Joe says, oh, yeah, I think we kind of turned to that because it was splatterpunk on the 80s. But again, I don't know. I almost wonder, though, if that was a very 
I don't want to say a bad move, but in hindsight, did we start that pigeonholing back then? And now Chris Triana, he was in DOA too. And sometimes he's like, man, I do more than just that, you know? Right. Did, did Did we accidentally pigeonhole ourselves? So I'm almost wondering, and I'd like your opinion, do authors stop saying extreme horror because they don't want to miss out on the bigger market and just say, I do visceral dark fiction? Or do they really want to hone it in in 2022 and go overboard and say, yes, this is what I do. I want to promote this and elevate this genre. So what, what do you think on that? That is actually, and I'm going to go back to, there's um, Chris Miller. Mm-hmm. He does, uh, he uh, did Shattered Skies, which was on my top 10 of the year. And uh, he did uh, Severus Rising, Severus mm-hmm. Rising, and uh, Exploitation. Um he had talked about, he made a post that he doesn't want to be known just for that. And I think, you know, again, with Chandler Morrison, he doesn't want to be known just for that. And I think especially, you know, words do have power. And I think putting, I think you're right, extreme war is definitely a pigeonhole. And, you know, do... Because I'm the type of person I want to see different sides of an author. I want to see, um, I want to see the crazy. I want to see the gory, and then I want to see, you know, something like Rain Havoc. Yeah. You know, Rain Havoc is known for kill stream and the suck. Casey's Vengeance, and then she put out Lost Soul, and it was stunning but it had absolutely nothing of that extreme horror mm-hmm. uh, that we know of her and she, you know she i think she was a little worried oh, putting yeah. that out because she's known for that and, and i'm i'm a very odd reader and i will i will preface that at so much that i want all the difference i want i don't want just one note i guess mm-hmm. but again that's that's a personal thing like i love spoilers i'm a weirdo like you can tell me really? something in a book yes <laughs> i will still buy it like <laughs> movies don't care oh. spoil it i'm gonna watch it or read it anyway right no, i'm a weirdo Everybody else all right that might be a little extent that might be a little weird <laughs> like, like but I, don't, I don't like surprises mm-hmm. and i get very anxiety mm. so that's probably why because of <laughs> I don't like it. but then there's you know there's certain books uh, that I'll read and I know that something bad's coming and I'll even like Wikipedia it and I'm like tell me what's going to happen <laughs> and then it still happens and I'm still like this is the this book I've ever read Monday's Not Coming is one of those books oh. um, it's so sad but it's not it's not extreme horror like we know it's it's based off of a true story. So, but, um, I do, I think, I think as readers, maybe we should kind of, I think that that's an interesting bring up is that maybe we should kind of, do we want to label someone extreme or do we want to just say they write horror or they write, you know, Marion in the first episode, she asked me to explain a book. And I was like, I'm really bad at classifications because I might see it as, you know, 
splatterpunk and somebody else doesn't. I might see it as horror and somebody else doesn't. And I'm just like, it's a book with words. Like, yeah. You know, know, it's it's a dead tree with (laughs) carvings. That's what I see. So I think it's kind of an interesting question that, especially as readers and even authors, what where where do we go? And then, you know, splitting it into subgenres, are we taking away from the bigger picture of the book? Because you know, there's so many subgenres. Yeah. And like Cosmicore, I don't flipping know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's just no, I think you're right. I think in twenty twenty two maybe we should, you know question ourselves there you go question things um this would be mostly for authors because a reader i feel like they're going to have their perspective on what they like but i do think Mm -hmm. authors should think about how they want to brand themselves and and be aware what comes with it i suppose you know and maybe again the the word for 2022 is also balance um i think it's having that balance that you you can do so much that you're not just known for one thing it will make it much more difficult to break out later um but yeah yeah so i i don't know but that that is a very good questions that everyone can ponder over yeah. 2022 and i'm excited to see what does happen because oh. i feel like i've been in this genre for a long time now right like this is 13 14 years and um we've always seemed like the black sheep so i'm interested to see what shakes things up when they find out that the extreme horror publisher that they all come to know is helping out with the you know shriners hospitals and and you know saving lives and children's literacy right. it will it will flip them on their heads and and hopefully it does show that this is not just me i'm not actually that special but all these people are people who have these facets to them as well and they feel the same thing like you said we all get these bad ideas it doesn't make us bad or or not good or or anything like that so yeah i'm really excited to see what 2022 brings that's fantastic (laughs) what's so funny is i didn't really find that i liked this genre until i i was in books of horror and i think drew had posted about godless and like the books were cheap, and I was like, I like cheap. Yeah, and I that life, try it you know? out. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. I'm doing a cross-country. We drove from San Antonio, Texas to Seattle. Oof. I that. With two children. Oh, even harder. <laughs> no, and an anxiety-ridden person who hates road trips. But, and that's how I started finding that... I liked this, besides, you know, besides the literary mm-hmm. fiction, you know, and I love my classics and, you know, but I didn't know I liked it. I think, and it's funny because like my Facebook has turned into just spewing <laughs> books constantly. And it's so funny because, you know, like my friend, my real life friends don't really like, they've dropped off. Because right. they're like, Christina. and I'm like, but they're just, it's words. If you don't like them, look them up. Like, you know, if you have a specific trigger, like I, my trigger is um, kidnapping. Oh. Because, you know, I had postpartum depression and that was always my, you know, obviously still mm-hmm. is a huge fear, but that is the one thing that I'm very careful with. But, but yeah, like. 
bang dead babies up. Yeah. Oh, I can read that. Like, don't now, kidnap them. The don't kidnap, yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. But it's also the idea of, and I'm so, like, so confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, it's like a mirror. Um, how people can read, like, Chandler Morrison and, you know, some of these just extremely graphic things. But, God, if you touch someone's dog. Yes! And I'm like, but it's a fucking dog. I'm glad you bring this up. This is important for, if you're a reader, this is because people are like, yes, I have seen that. Now, I grew up, I was allergic to dogs, so obviously I didn't have that kind of bond. I don't want to see an animal hurt, but it's one of those things where if I'm driving down the street and there's like, this will never happen, a baby and a dog, like, and I've got to swerve, this will be the one clip that everyone takes. SC said he'd hit a dog. I was like, no, I would save him. He hates animals. I just wanted to save the baby. I had to make a split-second decision. But I guess the point is, yeah, so on my radar, I would grab the person, obviously, and that's more important. But I realize that's not the same. That goes back to what's unspoken in some of these cancel cultures or when people are offended. Like you said, Chandler Morrison's maybe performance. We weren't there. Who knows? A lot of conjecture. But what bothers one person won't bother somebody else i don't happen to like abduction stories either even though that's what a fine evening in hell is that i'm working on for chris (laughs) because of an incident that i went through you know but i've gotten over it since i can work on those kind of books but i don't go out of my way to read them so it's just interesting i feel the exact same way why what makes one person mad and upset and they can't read uh is great for another person and i think we all have to realize that and realize the books are made for everybody, not just one type of person. So authors, if you can realize that and meet as many characters in real life and bring them into your stories, you're going to find a character that everybody connects with at some point in your career. And do that. Focus on that. And you know what? You know, if a character is going to kill an animal, let the character kill the animal. Don't glorify the things, but make it integral to the plot. And then that suddenly becomes a lot different, right? Than I just want to write a story about raping babies or killing dogs. There's, there's something to it. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up. Is this something I think about all the time when I read, I go, yeah, I didn't like that. Oh, he didn't like that book. That book was so good. Just didn't connect with me. Don't worry about it. It's cool. I don't hate the guy. I don't dislike this. It's it's all good. (laughs) Just wasn't a book for me. Because, you know, you, you want to question like, okay, so you can, do all of this to a human and you're okay reading all of this but you know Fido like like I just I want to shake them and say what yeah like we don't we don't have animals because I clean up enough poop as it is (laughs) right the mom of two (laughs) plus you know my husband's military so we feel like it's Mm. not fair to an animal to you know have to move possibly overseas so it's a personal choice no matter how much my children beg really right (laughs) no (laughs) plus it's just i'm not making a budget line item for (laughs) no way um but i think that that's really interesting to see because i and this can segue into another question that i sure i saw today on tiktok about a woman who went kind of ballistic over not having a trigger warning uh, oh, interesting. I mean, she went crazy. And I'm like, I just, how do you feel? 
either as an author and a publisher or both, mm-hmm. about having trigger warnings on the books themselves. Oh, like um, like on a cover or just in the description when it's being bought? Like, like yeah, maybe on the mm. back. I, I so I in the very, this. very beginning, when I used to make these, I have DOA here. I, it was fun for us, so we put like a big warning label right. on it, and it was totally silly. I remember coming up with this. I based it off of the video nasties that I was watching with, like I said, from the video store. I'm like, oh, this is wild, banned in 69 countries. Right. So the warnings that I started off with were for shock value because I had just learned from watching other people that sold, and that was fun to do. Things have changed a lot, and now we're talking about trigger warnings for legitimate, we're concerned that someone would pick up something that bothers them. And that is, it's, I don't have a good answer for it. Um, I think as far as TikTok goes, like if you're scrolling through and I guess, because Miriam talked a little bit about it too. If I was going to do a reading, she said, you might want to be careful about catching someone's attention with the, you know, the Chandler Morrison dead baby line if you're just doing readings. But by the same token, wasn't that the whole plan to grab someone's attention right away? If, if I have this big long warning about, well, careful, this might bother you on this and that and right. that. I've only got three seconds to grab someone in TikTok before I've got to scroll away. So I understand why it would be. I have a feeling, though, that if I do readings, maybe they will trigger somebody because there is a lot of stuff in it, and I probably won't go through myself. Not because I don't want to, but I'm working with all these books. I've got a million things. It's Sadly to say, it's not the first thing on my mind. I'm like, oh, man, this right. is really going to catch everyone's attention. I'm not thinking that... You know, 10 years ago, you got uh, kidnapped, and so your thing, right. if I open the story and says, he put her in the trunk, and they didn't know if she would live till morning, and that's how I just catch your attention, you're like, oh my gosh, why didn't he say it was going to be about kidnappings, or yeah. when, he, I'm probably not going to do something like that on TikTok. Right. I respect it if someone gets mad, I think it would be foolish for them to, to I guess, share it around saying that I bothered them. Right. I, Man, I wish I had a better answer for the stories. I think that would come down to an author preference. And maybe that would be something where if an author... Because I'm going from a publisher standpoint now, I guess. And if they said, hey, I'd really like to have some trigger warnings, you know, in the description, I can do that um, for them. But I don't think on my own work it's something that I'm going to do. I think the reviews and the description of the book speak for themselves. I feel at least anyway. Someone can can look at the city like we were talking about online and there's over a hundred reviews on there. So people can get a good feel of what the book is going to be about, I think. Right. And when you look at the plot, you can definitely tell there's going to be some risky stuff in there. So I don't think for me personally, I'm going to put them on there. Um, I think I've done a good enough job of showing you know, if it's something we're doing with Nikki, you know, it's, I don't like to label it erotica, but you know, there's going to be sex in it. You know, we're going to have some extreme kills, right? That's going to be in there, but I don't want to put an erotica, uh, like a warning on it. Cause I think it, I guess in the beginning it used to promote the book and I thought it was cool, but now I think it ha- hampers it. Same with putting on, you know, the bloody women or something like that on the covers. I think it suddenly is like, oh, here's a warning. We want to suppress this as much as possible. And I don't want that. So if that means that someone gets upset that they read a part that they didn't particularly like, you know what? Maybe it'll turn into something good. Maybe they'll share it around because they were angry and a whole bunch of people who would benefit from that book see it. 
Um, I won't get mad at the person. If someone has questions for them, I'll try to justify it or answer what I thought about it. But at the end of the day, I don't want to get hung up on these trigger things and what's because right. I have. I've gotten so up and not sometimes about is how is this going to reflect or how is this going to look? And people too right. also want to talk about your authors. Like, did you know your author did this? As if it's my child, dude. I met the guy. We didn't have a conversation. <laughs> and I, I want to be realistic right now. Like, I appreciate that maybe someone I published in a book five years ago went off the deep end and went on a rant or something, or apparently is a bad person. That's got nothing to do with me. I like the story. I'm not going back in time and erasing this book. It's just too difficult. And so I want people to be realistic. I am not a child's you know, these authors parent. And even if I was, am I responsible for everything that child does when they get older? Like at some point we severed the cord. We did a project together. That was it. How many employees have you hired that haven't worked out? They've come to work maybe for your family's company. There's a reason for the nepotism, right? You know, your family member is going to do a good job for you. The reason I've worked with the same authors is not because I'm a gatekeeper for 13 years. It's because they have progressive, consistently delivered quality. We're nice people to work with. I enjoy talking to them and we're on the same wavelength. So I've tried to surround myself with the best people possible to work with. It doesn't always pan out for the best. We've had times where it doesn't at all, actually, you know, but that's okay. So I'd rather just deal with, I think, some of the fallout than try to yeah. rearrange hashtags. And again, a long ranting blather because no, I'm not sure I, my answer, but that's totally honest. It's, it's a case by case like and it's the truth. No, I like that because I'm not, even though, you know, I have that trigger, I don't necessarily want to know like I read um part of the chain by Adrian I think it's Adrian McKenty or something like okay. that and it was it was about like you've got to kidnap a kid to get your kid back oh, no. and if you don't get that kid back then it lights Curtains. up you know and so for me at that time the writing was so good that I'm like I can't do this. <laughs> mm. I can't do this. So instead of, you know, wanting a trigger warning, it's like, you know what? I'm going to put that away until I'm in a better headspace. And then I will continue. Because I do want to finish it. I just know that I can't currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, especially with trigger warnings, like, you know, as and this is coming from as a reader, I don't want them personally. Um, I, you know, if there's a scene that I don't like, I I know how to turn the page and be done with that part and then continue Mm -hmm. on. Um, I also know how to look things up on the internet, you know? (laughs) And I think that they can also reach out, even as you, as a publisher, reach out and say, hey, I really want to check this book out. This is my trigger. Can you let me know? Yeah, because I don't think I don't think authors set out to traumatize us. But okay, some maybe some do, but I I don't think the bulk do. (laughs) I think you're right. They're not trying to. No, and I don't think that you know they set out like I'm going to get people to you know unalive themselves today. I don't. Yes, I think they want to tell a good story. I think they want to tell their story, and you know, if you had a parrot that died because you forgot to water them. 
when you were younger. You know? Oh. And so you don't like birds now. You know, a book about birds freaks you out. Um, but no, I think that that I think that that's a good point. Is that it it can turn away perspective readers. Yeah. And I think and what I you think said is that. is the best is what I would like to assume that most of my readers would do. You said it much more concise. You can put the book down and you could just leave mm-hmm. it at that and realize you, man, I liked all the other stuff you did. This book wasn't for me and maybe revisit it when you're in a different headspace right. or just not at all and read the other stuff you do connect with because I think that's very much mirroring of life. We don't get to pick some of the things that happen to us, but we do pick how we react to them. The real life horrors we have to you know, hold ourselves accountable. And I would assume most people wouldn't flip out in public if something just didn't quite go their way. So take that same attitude to the book. Uh, it's, it's probably much less harmful than what happened to you in real life also. So that's the thing. Put it down. Be that, for me, that, uh, that adult that just says, nope, this one isn't for me. And th- that's it. And I tend to only talk about the things that I enjoyed. I usually don't bring up, so it's like one of those things I don't bring attention to something that I didn't like. I don't like to take the time to, sl- not, not slander even, but, but just put it down or say that I didn't care for it. I'd rather just not talk about things that do, do nothing for me. I'm very much a wherever my energy goes or my focus is, that's where the energy's at, and I don't want to amplify something that I wasn't in love with. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that's interesting because I there are books that I'll read, and they won't, I will not personally enjoy them. Um, but I would never, like, with my reviews, because I do written reviews, mm-hmm. um, you would never know. Because I'm not going to be like, this book is horseshit. Because that's not, that's not being productive. That's mm-hmm. not being productive in my mindset or, you know, or even with the author. If it's a one to two star review, I'm just not going to review it. Right. Because, you know, unless you're William Johnstone and you did trigger warning, then I'm going to. (laughs) That was terrible. Uh, And that's okay. He's a big name and I think he's dead. Okay. Uh, But even if, like, if I'm reading an anthology and there's a story in there that I just, I'm like, I don't like the story. You know what? I'm going to find something. I'm going to find pacing characters yeah i'm gonna find something positive because what i don't like you might love and i think that when we and there was a thread on um one of the sites i don't really know which one it is um that it was like the worst book (laughs) you know and it was like they were taking and trashing these authors oh my gosh didn't know like the authors were in the same facebook group oh no it's like oh my god (laughs) what are we doing here and I think that as readers and even reviewers Mm -hmm. we have to be careful because they do see this so okay I didn't like it but that doesn't mean that you're not going to love it so let me tell you what I like to try to get you to read it anyway and then give me your feedback I don't know that's 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 good I'm like don't don't talk shit about my friends. <laughs> I, I get that. So here's another theme for 2022. You know, again, a blanket statement. I don't know that everyone needs it, but I think what you brought up is a good point. I think authors, again, we'll just call it having thicker skin. Mm-hmm. Now, 
yes, it would be nice if everyone could do that. At least find something good they liked in it or, or not, you know, because, oh, it wasn't for me, but it did have a great character arc, but I wasn't too interested in this aspect of it. But if authors want to, I don't want to say lurk in these groups, but be in these groups, like something happens too when you become more successful and people actually start reading it. So this idea of going viral and everyone read Felix's Stolen Tongues, mm-hmm. not everyone liked it. And so if Felix right. is going to continue to be in that book, in that group, he's got to be okay with knowing that there are going to be people who says, I don't understand what all the hype was. That book sucked. I actually didn't read it, but I know all about it practically because it was all talked about, right? Everyone talked about it. So we suddenly have to realize not everyone is going to love your stuff. And so now you have to be prepared too. You can't get upset that you got a bad review or that people are talking about you. Because if you talk about these big names that we all say we want to be like, it is very difficult to know that all day long people are probably either in love with or absolutely hate Stephen King. He gets talked about a lot in that group as well, right? Books of Horror. But Stephen King isn't hanging out in it wondering if his book is getting a good review. (laughs) We still are as the little guys. And I I guess that's important. So authors with, you know, I don't want to quote the great power comes great responsibility. But if you get known, you are going to be equally liked and disliked. And that is a very hard thing to come to terms with. And even myself, I'll scroll through and I go, oh, that's one of mine. I go, oh, they didn't like it at all. That's okay. And I just keep scrolling back through. I'm like, okay, that sucks, but it's all right. You know, and that's it. You know, I, I see, again, you know, it's from a reader. I, I, I don't write. Mm -hmm. It's not my thing. I write reviews. So pretty much I just regurgitate your guys' words and I throw in a couple, you know, (laughs) F-bombs and that's it. But I... You know, I'll see one of the authors post a bad review and I'm like, do you want me to fly from Alaska and take out this person's kneecap? Because this is not nice. Like, and I don't know how they can separate that from me. Like, thank you for the feedback that yeah. you called me a douche canoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, and there's some that I just ignore because, yes, I heard that something went on like that. I'm like, oh, I don't want to get involved. <laughs> I could not. I can't imagine because as a fan, you almost become territorial over your favorite authors. You do. You're right. like, say something again. Do it. <laughs> like, I will call your mother. Like, you know, I think that that, I think it's also going into, you talked a little bit about this, separating the work from the author. I know that a lot of people have a problem doing that. Like, you know, J.K. Rowling is a great example. You know, I don't support bigotry. But what I always get confused about is how can you not separate? Because I absolutely can separate an author from the work. Now, if they're like a pedo in real life, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to not. Right. (laughs) There's certain lines we go, eh, we're not crossing that. But, yeah. Did you kill kill a dog? I'm probably going to smell each other. (laughs) Was it accidental, though? I was swerving because of a child. (laughs) Come on. Did you have to pick? Did you have to pick? (laughs) Because I will buy it. But I think a lot of people have that problem as a reader. They're like, I can't separate the author from the works. And it's like, yeah. Do you really think that authors go around killing? Yeah. Yeah. You guys are phenomenal at it. Uh, 
see some Dexters. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that, that has been something that I struggle with too. I think it changed with age. When I was a kid, I think I, uh, and this is not to say that people who can't separate them are, are childlike. I don't want to say it, but for right. me, it was like, uh, if I loved a band and this was before social media, I was like, Oh my God, you know, I've got like things like motorhead is on my arm and I have my Slayer tattoos and I used to have hair so down to here. Good. Yeah. I'll see. I like them even more. Right. But there was this idea that I'm like, dude, I love these bands. I had no idea what they did. If it wasn't in one of the magazines I saw or something they right. said on stage, how did you ever know who they were? They only would give a couple interviews, right? There wasn't this ability to know someone the way you know them now and almost have access to all of their inner thoughts. And so I probably was always supporting people that I didn't know were the best of people at all. You know, a lot of the books that I read as a kid, I I loved, um, like we talked about American Psycho. I don't really know anything about Brett Easton Ellis uh, other than a couple books that he's read. So I guess I was very much, I love this person. I started saying, I love these actors and I love these. And even just recently from watching actors in their personal life, I go, wow, maybe I don't like them. Maybe I don't even want to watch their work anymore. And I went to almost the other side. I was like, oh, I can't support them. But I thought, no, 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 you know, there is something. So even though I might not like X, Y, Z, the work, whether it's her Harry Potter stuff or whether it's some movie that affected me, um, I used to love Robert De Niro. And then sometimes they talk about some of these issues that are potent in society. And I'm like, what happened to you? You, you seem so much more powerful. I mean, it's almost embarrassing. You get up on TV and swear like this and say this or that about this governor or this president. And right. I've seen it on all the sides. And it just like, it really, it made me think a lot. I was like, wait a second. The work that you did in this book or this movie or this band impacted me at that point in my life. And, a lot of the music, I don't listen to Slayer really all that much anymore, but the tattoos are forever, right? But right. at a time in my life, that was what got me through things, and there was a message in there for it. So just like with horror, I appreciate the message. I don't need to go out and buy all their new stuff. I also don't need to retweet the things they say or whatever it is, right? So I am able to separate now, and I'm able to appreciate what I was and the books that I liked and the horrors that I went through from a different perspective now. And I'm very good at separating but I do understand why people can't now because they're on their news feeds and social media and these celebrities or, and we'll just lump everyone in with a celebrity. You know, you're, you're on TV right now, right? We are on a podcast on YouTube. Millions of people have access to this. You you never know. Like you are now a celebrity. And so people are like, Oh, she just said she doesn't get why someone would care for a dog over a person. That suddenly becomes a reason why, and, and no offense, but, I don't want you to think this this episode is going to be what does it in, right? But someone will say, I don't like Christina as much as I used to yesterday now. Right. But you got to be okay with that. And so, again, authors need to become okay. And I think if people really want to grow as people, they should see if they could separate it. Even if it's yes. just an experiment. See if you could still enjoy a work without thinking about that person. And if you can't, it's right. like the book. Put it to the side. That person is not for you. And if it's going to bother you, it's, it is best that you cut them out of your life, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess hopefully that's that spiraling tangent on those are my, some of my thoughts on all of it. This is good stuff. This is definitely not what I thought we'd talk about, but these are good right. things. Um, and it's funny because anyone who says they don't like me, <laughs> my husband already tells me. There you go. Jokes on yeah. <laughs> And you're and like FBI, you'll find them. So 
Right? I'm so lazy. I'm just lazy. I'm lazy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's like writing a bad review. It's a lot of work to go after somebody. It's so much it's easier so to just put it aside. It's exhausting. Like, I have to take three naps a day. Oh, yeah. I really have time to add up fourth. No. You can't do that. Yeah. Don't give people that much power over you. Right. And that's... So. I don't. That's... Except every once in a while. But usually it's my five-year-old. <laughs> you know. That's different. But, yeah, she, you know, she's, she's evil. She is, she's evil. Uh-oh. Uh, I don't, I, the maternity test still hasn't come back. I don't think she's nine. I'll have to write a, an evil daughter story for you. <laughs> right, like, she looks just like her father. <laughs> I was like her too. <laughs> but to talk about you, you have oh a book coming out. I do. I'm going to just say this. For any author that I ever gave a hard time about writing a sequel to and said that I wanted a sequel, I formally apologize on public YouTube now in front of everybody. Sequels are freaking hard to do, uh, even if you've had them planned in your head. Uh, but I do have a sequel coming up, and it is called The Order of Eternal Sleep. And uh, I really hope that people enjoy it, because readers like Tara have been wanting this for a long time, and it's one of those things that... You don't get to it. And one of the biggest struggles of having your own press and being an author is putting other people before your own writing and not coming back to it. So I have put this thing off, put it off, taken so long in this year, meaning, well, 2021, I finally got it going. Um, and I put all the ideas down. And Tara was in a special group with like maybe like seven other people who were super diehard fans. And I wanted to give them something for being so patient. And now this book will officially launch on January 31st. And I have a cool little landing page that you probably saw. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I'm getting everything done. The only problem I'll say is if you order on that and you do one of the signed stuff, I still have to get all those copies to me and then shipped out. So it will be a little bit after the 31st, but please come and check it out. Uh, I don't know if you have read this city yet, so I'm not sure if that you... Yet. It is on my list for this week. Yeah. Um, it It is just... I guess a conspiracy theorist wet dream is how Joseph Sale talks about it, which is what the Order of Eternal Sleep is going to totally take. But um, I found out that more than extreme horror, I love crime. And so the city was basically a noir, um, a crime noir that took place in 1910, but then it dives down into this underground world where it is extreme horror and it becomes very much dark fantasy, but it started off as a murder mystery that delved into that. And so The Order of Eternal Sleep takes off where the city ended. Um, and I won't say anything, although I know that you will, you won't care. I could tell you the whole thing and you're still going to read it because you're a spoiler girl, right? Uh, <laughs> so there's, these, there's this underground world and there are these kind of like demon type creatures called the Mara. And they run things down there. And it is... Uh, it falls into, and it was funny because people have asked me, Oh, do you watch David Icke and these reptilians? I honestly had no idea about that, and I've done like show, you know, little interviews on it. That never even filtered in. I didn't know anything about that when I wrote about this underground city. It actually came from, oh, and I don't have it on my bookshelf, but uh, these dark fantasies called the Myth Adventures, and they were by Robert Asprin. And there was a character in there who was called a pervect. Um, and he came from the dimension perv. Yeah, it was a very dark fantasy <laughs> stuff that I saw when I was younger. Anyway, he was this basically reptilian with two little tiny horns, 
And it was basically like demons, but they, they weren't. They were like, you know, physical creatures. And that influenced me, and those were my creatures in this underground world, not knowing that it sounded very much like these reptilian underworlds that I guess supposedly David Icke talks about in the reptilian shapeshifters. Uh, so that was kind of this, the city. And I left it ambiguous. I left the ending ambiguous for a reason. I found out that I am heavily influenced by John Carpenter. Even mm. though he is not an author, he's written some of my favorite movies and directed my favorite movies. And his endings are almost always ambiguous. If you think back to the thing, they're sitting there with the flamethrowers. You don't yeah. know who's the alien. The original Halloween, Michael Myers gets up after being shot, right? There's no ending. And so I left it very much where the, our main character, Max Elliott, is in limbo. You don't know what's going to happen to him. Other things are tied up, but his story is not answered. And I left it open because I had an idea, but I didn't really know if I would ever get back to it. Right. And then the Order of Eternal Sleep is going to pick up and show what the bigger scope plan of these Mara demons are uh, and how they infiltrate the surface. And of course it gets into a whole slew of secret societies and occult right. symbolism and that kind of stuff as they try to infiltrate and take from what was below to bring it to the surface and kind of infect the masses. So, Well, that sounds like fun. I, it, I hope I it love, is. I hope I so. I love cults and I Do love you? like... Oh I do yeah, too. I do like, too. There are certain tropes that I love, and John Carpenter, my husband, is putting me through the ringer with him. Oh, good. Because I just saw the thing, and did he do Reanimator? He didn't do Reanimator. Um, yeah. Trying to think, some of the other ones that were really classic, Big Trouble in Little China. That's the one we're watching right now. Oh, because I only I only watch like ten hours of TV a month. That's right. Why I can read so much. I was, you have to if you're going to, you know. <laughs> Get those many books done. Right, you gotta, you gotta give something up. So you know, I don't parent my kids, and I don't watch TV. I don't parent my kids. <laughs> hey, like we said, sacrifices oh. must be made. Uh, they're feral, you know. They're probably running around playing, riding wonder. a moose or something right now. I don't have it on me, but that was one of my first pen names when I didn't want to put my name on extreme horror stuff. Was Jack Burton. <laughs> Oddly enough, people who read these anthologies actually seem to think that Jack Burton edited some of them. <laughs> there is no Jack. I took it from Big Trouble in Little China. Like I, in hindsight, I found out this is maybe not the best idea. I got to stick with just one pen name. But that so John Carpenter has influenced me entirely. If you watch um, Escape from New York, I kind of think of Max Elliott as being a detective mixed with. Uh, Snake Plissken. So sometimes that's what yes. I envision him as. So yeah, and I, yes. I you know, I want to get this book out there. I'll probably do something with the city, you know, to a promotion with it to try to get the uh, the Order of Eternal Sleep going. Some of that hype because I'm so bad about hyping myself up. I, I try to do a good job pushing everybody's stuff, but I'm never good with mine. And like the other authors, I secretly am always nervous when it comes to. <laughs> continuing right like you could write a great book and people can love it but that continuing the story everybody has their own idea and i'm yeah. a, a lot different person than i was even just four years ago um right. when that first one came out so it'd be interesting to see what everybody thinks um for sure for sure i'm, I'm excited i'm excited all right i can't wait to see it read both of them to be honest thank you and i'm like 
I'm one of those that I like having all of them at once mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm not a patient person. That and makes sense. I'm, I'm a walking continuum. Like, <laughs> but before I let you go, mm-hmm. we will do the fast four. Okay. Fast. Are we ready? I'm ready. Let's okay. see how fast I can be. Right. What character that you have written is most like you? The guy we just talked about, Max Elliott. Um, definitely. I, if these are fast, I won't go into it too much. I will just say Max is the most like me in some of the struggles, definitely, that I've experienced. Not that I've gone to an underground city infested by demons, but perhaps other Wait stuff. <laughs> or have I? All the secrets today. <laughs> All the secrets. <laughs> what published book? Do you wish you had written? Oh, gosh. My I first thought right. is just like all the things I would love, but then I'd have, I'd have written them and they'd be different. So I think I'm going to say Earworm, even though it was our published book, because I loved that. And it was such a conspiracies in pop culture. And it was all the stuff mm-hmm. that I wish I had put in. In fact, there are more indie published books. The other one that I'll throw out there was Night Stalker uh, from Triana and Harding because I remember talking to Chris years ago when we talked about the coloring book was that we need a book about Night Stalkers. He worked in a grocery store. I was a Night Stalker in a grocery store. I don't know when the whole idea went with it and, and how he got you know to where it came into, but I was like, oh, I wish I had done my book on you know my right. viewpoint on it. So I think that Earworm and Night Stalkers. Oh, those are two. Those are good. What is your favorite story you've written? Oh, you have good questions. These are not fast (laughs) ones. You know, so the truthful answer is whatever I've just put out, because I'm this person who, when I'm doing the thing, this is the greatest thing. People are going to love this. It's the best thing since sliced bread. It goes out. And then when I start the new project, that becomes the best. But I'm with you. I think looking back, I, we did some interesting stuff that I did with Nikki for Santa's package. And so I think that's a really interesting story and probably one of my short story favorites that I've done um, in quite a while. It's so good. They need to pick that one up. And last, okay. not least, if you could co-author with any author, living or dead, okay. who would it be? Oh, living or dead. Holy smokes. I think because <laughs> he was a hero of mine and really started a love of writing would be Richard Matheson. Uh, The closest I got to that was I got to be, um, we have his son, Richard Christian Matheson, with a reprint in DOA 3. That was the closest I got to ever working with him. Obviously, Richard Matheson passed away, but I think he would be the author um, that I would most want to collaborate with because of such an influence to me and those twist endings. He's really good. I got into him last year, and I was just like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's... Really good. A master of the short story. The reason I love short stories is probably from him. The first like 20 things that I ever wrote were probably rip-offs of his Twilight Zone episodes, right? And that idea of having a twist at the end, that all came from him. So he definitely, he's the man. Awesome. Well, FC, I had so much God dang fun today. <sighs> Me too. Thank you so much. This just went great. <laughs> they can listen to it in chunks. So much gold and I hope it helps people. And so much better than either of us crying, which I had assumed <laughs> prior. You were going to cry out of frustration. But no, I, and you know, this is our first one. So I think 
I think it went well. It did. It can only even get better from here. You're going to do fantastic. I had a great time, and you are a wonderful host. Hostess. I think, I think I'm just going to end while we're on top. While I'm on top. Like, Let's do it. That's when I'm going to stop. <laughs> well then, until next time, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thank you, guys. Hey, kids. Looking for a way to affordably access the best and wildest independent extreme horror currently in existence? Godless Horrors is the place to be. Go to www.godless.com to gain access to thousands of extreme horror and splatterpunk books from the genre's best and brightest independent authors. Godless Horrors offers every title in their catalog in a variety of formats to ensure compatibility with your favorite digital reading device. Strapped for cash? No worries. Godless has a fantastic collection of free titles ready for instant download, with other titles in their collection rarely exceeding $3 to $4. Again, go to www.godless.com or download the app and tell them what the fuck you're looking for. Come join the Godless tribe today. Forever delightfully deviant. Forever Godless. Life is a joke. Death is the punchline.